type of it. We're more the higher level um, advertising, marketing, legal, national contracts, that type of structure with the Washright brand. Um, Washright was our first brand. It was where it all started from. And um, it's what produced, I guess, the revenue to help us fund the other two brands in their earlier stages. Um, at the moment, Washright makes up about 45% of our total business in regards to revenue and profits. Then obviously that started back in 2015. In 2017, we started Lawnright and that was basically, it wasn't meant to be. We were approached by some of our major national contracts and said, hey, we're really sick of dealing with the current lawnmowing providers. Have you thought about doing what you do with Washright? Welcome to the Home Service Business Coach Podcast with your host, David Mowerman. You will learn to grow your home service business and transition from being the technician in your business to being the CEO and leading your team to success. Get a front row seat where you will get practical advice from industry experts on how you can level up your home service business. Get ready to take some notes because we're going to jump right into it here. I have a very, very special guest. I'm looking forward to this one. I've got Mr. Troy Hillard on the other line all the way from New Zealand. Troy, how are you doing uh, today, my friend? Good, thank you. Awesome. I'm really excited to have you on uh, to share some of your wisdom uh, with, with the listeners. And we were just chatting off camera. Troy was born in Australia and he now resides in uh, New Zealand. What, what part of New Zealand are you in? Uh, I'm in Hamilton, which is basically the center of the North Island. Center. That's a really, the, I've heard the North Island is the, the more scenic place in New Zealand. Is that correct? No, the other way around. Yeah. Um, I messed that up. The North Island's a lot like Saskatchewan in Canada. Okay. And the South Island's a lot like British Columbia. Gotcha. So South <laughs> Island is the scenic one. It is, definitely. Okay, awesome. Well, I'm so happy to, to have you on the show here, uh, Troy. You, you're building just a phenomenal business. Uh, I look up to you as do a number of uh, my colleagues in our space. And I feel like you are just, you know, quietly going about your business and, and really taking over this, this space, really putting your, your mark on it. Um, to introduce Troy, everybody, uh, Troy is the, the CEO, the founder of the Right Group which does, uh, uh, you've got wash right, lawn right, and then uh, clean right with maid service, right? Correct. Okay, awesome. That's correct. So tell us a little bit about, um, maybe let's start, uh, tell us kind of the, the structure of things right now, how kind of the different divisions are, are set up, because um, I know you have an absolutely obscene number of, of crews as well, and I just want to get into it all. So what, what is the current business setup look like? Um, currently we're sitting at around about 114 franchises on the road at the moment. We've got roughly about 13 more that are paid up and just in the process of getting ready to start or getting ready to launch. Um, as we're just coming into winter, what we find is quite a few people are buying franchises right now and postponing their start until basically the early spring. But our numbers at the moment sit around, we've got 31 Washright franchisees 
those 31 franchisees are very independent from each other. They have their own operating area. Normally they operate within um, large geographical areas. That stops one franchise competing against another one. Um, those 30 odd franchisees have around about 85 um, trucks or utes or vehicles on the road providing the services and then obviously the staff to go along with those. Um, our wash right brand is very self-sufficient. The quality of the franchisee um, for that brand is vastly different compared to say a lawn right. These are people that have come from previous business ownership or business management experience. Um, so they run a lot of their own day-to-day -day businesses in regards to employment issues, staff. Um, so we don't have a lot to do with that type of it. We're more the higher level um, advertising, marketing, legal, national contracts, that type of structure with the WashRite brand. Um, WashRite was our first brand. It was where it all started from. And um, it's what produced, I guess, the revenue to help us fund the other two brands in their earlier stages. Um, at the moment, WashRite makes up about 45% of our total business in regards to revenue and profits. Then obviously that started back in 2015. In 2017, we started LawnRite and that was basically, it wasn't meant to be. We were approached by some of our major national contracts and said, hey, we're really sick of dealing with the current lawn mowing providers. Have you thought about doing what you do with WashRite, but in lawn mowing? And we kind of rejected it for a little while. We just assumed there wasn't enough money in it. Um, those in the exterior cleaning, the house wash, roof wash game, know that there's a quite a large profit margin in that sector. And then um, these national retirement home, rest home providers keep approaching us about, about the law mowing. And um, they literally gave us their current contracts and goes, hey, if you can be around about this, you can have the contracts. And um, we were ballsy enough to come back and just basically with their existing contract, added 20% and said, hey, if you want it, you can pay for it, if not. And then they took it and we kind of realized that there's definitely a margin in there if you're at the higher level of the lawn mowing game. Um, I don't know about America and Canada, but there's people in New Zealand that will come and mow your lawn for $25, $30. Um, over here, you can't survive on that. Um, so we're normally 30, 40, 50, even up to 80% higher than the normal lawn mowing providers. We just provide a far higher service um, from the customer service, but the actual service we provide. Um, when we come and mow your lawn, we mow your lawn, we take away the clippings. I know a lot of guys in the States and Canada like to mulch the clippings. We don't, we'll always remove the clippings. We'll always lightly fertilize the lawn every month. That's all included in the standard service. Um, all of our guys are GPS tracked the customer can contract their lawn mowing contractor and see exactly where they are, how far away from their house they are, when they arrive, when they leave, they get before and after photos. Um, so it's just a, a little bit more in depth, but it is a, um, a, a far higher level of service. And in, in that case, the cost is a little bit higher as well. Um, and then not long after lawn right started, um, I was actually approached by someone who was um, defrauded when they brought another franchise, a, it was a, a carpet cleaning franchise. It was a friend of a friend of a friend. And um, 
they were they were defrauded. They were about to lose their house. They had all their money stolen on this fraud of a franchise. And um, we helped them out by quickly, within a couple of days, branding up Clean Right, starting it up, um, taking our existing customer base from Wash Right and Lawn Right and start direct marketing to those for carpet cleaning services. And we quickly realized we can build a data, a client base for carpet cleaning very, very quickly. And that's how Clean Right actually started. And over the last probably three years, it's kind of morphed into a one brand, but two divisions, a carpet cleaning division, and then a commercial cleaning division. So we don't do your standard residential cleaning of people's houses. We only clean commercial buildings on a commercial contract um, and we do carpet cleaning for residential and commercial. So um, over the years, we've found out with our, with our different brands, with the, say the 30 odd wash rights, you know, we're looking at around about the 53, I think, lawn rights. And we're, again, we're up around the, in the high 40s for the clean rights. What we're finding is that even though we've got, let's say, 115 franchisees at the moment, um, our customer base is quite small for that amount of franchises because the one customer will quite often use all three brands. Um, so that lowers our cost of acquisition for the customer because instead of a scattergun approach, approaching everybody through different marketing streams, we're only targeting the higher end customer who can afford to pay $1,000 for the house wash and the gutters cleaned, you know, $60 per fortnight to have their lawns mowed and $500 every six months to have their carpets and their upholstery cleaned. Right. Wow. I feel the only word to sum all that up is, wow, I'm trying to process it all. It's uh absolutely uh breathtaking troy what what you're doing there's so much to to dive into i feel like we could chat all day you know initially um you know just to get some numbers right so you've got in the wash right it'd be safe to say you have 85 washing crews right now that are in the the wash right brand is that correct yep yep that is a right there alone absolutely incredible uh, the second piece I'd love to know is like, how do you compare the three? Like, it sounds to me based on your talking is that really the revenue profit opportunity seems to be in the, in the washing brand, but the lawn care and the, the cleaning kind of supplement that effort. Is that correct to say, or do you just see like bright future on all three brands? Um, we see a bright future in, in, in all three brands. Um, so at the moment, wash right is, I, you'd call that the cash cow. It's what generates the income to allow us to have, you know, the, the big office and the staff and all that type of stuff. But to, to give you a rundown, wash right's the largest exterior cleaner in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, we are, wash right itself is one fortieth of the largest lawn mowing brand in the Southern Hemisphere. And we would like one fiftieth of the, largest commercial cleaning company in the Southern Hemisphere. So once we scale lawn right and clean right out to the same capacity that wash right currently is, wash right would definitely be the small brother to the three brands. Wow, that's incredible. You know, I was reading an article on you earlier today. It, it, your expansion plans are, are just amazing. Like it sounds, you, you guys definitely aren't shy of the fact that you are literally coming into this industry and disrupting it. You're doing it in New Zealand. Uh, can you talk to me about the expansion plans? Maybe there's someone listening that's just like, man, 
I'm trying it on my own. I want to join in with this, you know, if you can't beat them, join them kind of thing. What, what's going on next in the next few years with, with Australia, Canada, where, where do you see this thing going? Yep. So we've uh, got, we've just signed recently uh, two franchisees in Sydney, Australia. Um, those two were signed literally just before the COVID broke out in February, 2020. And those were put on hold for a while until we realized what was actually happening with the whole COVID situation. And at the same time, we signed our first master franchisee in Ontario. So, um, so with Canada, we were approached by, the president of the Canadian Franchise Association two presidents ago, okay. and he wanted to buy the franchise rights to the Ontario. So that would allow him to sell franchises within that province underneath him, and he would take a margin, basically a, he, would, he would collect all the royalties and the fees, mm -hmm. and then he would obviously pass on a set percentage of those fees back to us. Um, so he's brought it as not to actually operate. He's brought it really just to be the master franchisor. So right. he's in the process now. Of, he's just previously brought two trucks. He's kitting out all the equipment. Um, and then also in Sydney, that's a little bit different. I've got a family member over there that's acting as the master franchisor. Um, and then we've actually got two local franchisees operating in Sydney at the moment. Um, our expansion has been blessed in many ways purely because of contacts. Um, as I said, you know, being involved in franchise associations allowed us to make the contact in Canada. Um, our main provider of equipment is BE, which is probably one of the world's largest supplier of pressure washing equipment. Um, they're actually Canadian based. Um, they've been uh, integral to our growth. Um, our massive discounts, you know, we can get a discount on equipment 70, even up to 80% off retail. Um, and having those discounts continuing in Australia and Canada has made our um, ability to grow and make money um, so much easier. Um, a lot of people probably don't understand how a franchise business makes money. And one of those key ways is off rebates. So basically we push all our franchisees to buy off a certain provider. That provider provides us a large discount to our franchisees. And then on the back end, they pay us at head office back a percentage of whatever gets spent. Got it. So it's basically money for nothing. Talk to me about uh, Troy. You know, I've got friends that they're like, oh, you know, and I sometimes even think it too, you know, oh, I've got this one thriving location. Why can't I just like, don't go do a location here and here and here. Like, can you maybe say what's been your experience putting like over a hundred franchisees on the road? I mean, it's gotta be one heck of an undertaking. And I want to hear kind of straight from you. What advice would you give to someone who has a successful location? Is it harder than it might look? Maybe speak to that person. Yeah, it's definitely a lot harder. The, the biggest benefit of franchising locations over then rolling out and open up your own franchise, uh, your own locations is the capital required. So what a lot of people never believe me when I tell them is that our business turns over about 15-ish million dollars a year in revenue. I've only ever put $2,016 into the business. That's all I've ever wow. invested myself. Um, so for me to go out and, and roll out 80 odd trucks, 
I'm using other people's money to roll out those locations. Mm -hmm. So what that does is that lowers my exposure, my risk dramatically to almost to literally nothing. And I'm just using other people's capital to obviously roll out those locations where if you were to do it yourself, it's either your cash on the line or your credit rating and your name on the line. Um, it just makes it a lot, lot harder. And the rollout process is, is so much slower because you have to invest the money, build out the equipment, put it to work, regain your capital, then regain profit before you can do a third, then a fourth. And by the time you've got to your third and your fourth, I've got 25 out there. Yeah. And I still, and I still haven't put any of my own money in. It's amazing. So you, sorry, you say you're using other people's money. Are you referring to like someone buys a franchise and the franchise correct. and then the royalty that's ongoing? Yeah, correct. So when someone buys a franchisee, what they buy it for should cover the cost at least of the full rollout of their location. So their, their trucks, their equipment, their initial marketing to launch them, uniform, stationery, business cards and flyers and door hangers. Um, so for me to roll out a whole new location costs me nothing but a little bit of time. Wow. That's amazing. Is there a certain revenue level you'd target for a cleaning company? Like do you, for say for a wash, right? Like could these guys, these girls get their locations up to a million dollars or is it usually like you want to scale out like a one to two truck model kind of thing? Um, depends on the location. So we've got some franchisees that are at that level. And then we've got some other franchisees that will never get to that level. And the reason they'll never get to that level, it could be their geographical restraints. They may not just have the population or the population may be so sparsely spread in their exclusive area. And then we've got some franchisees who absolutely have a great area and are killing it. And they have, you know, four or five trucks of their own and each truck might be doing 1,200, 1,300 a day, yeah, six days a week. Yeah. And are you scaling generally one person crew or two person crews? What do you guys like to do? Um, majority of our crews are one person, one truck. Wow. That's amazing. The, the majority of them. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Are you going to take this thing through the States as well? Or are you kind of got your boots full with the three countries right now? Um, don't know yet. There's no major plans yet. Um, I think in the States, there's a little bit of, a, of an attitude boundary there. Mm -hmm. um, so to give you an idea, New Zealand is the world's most franchised country per capita. Wow. Not, not far behind it is Australia. And Australia has the world's largest franchise brand in regards to the number of franchisees, mm -hmm. which is, um, I think you guys have it called um, Jim's, the Jim's group. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Jim's mowing. Yeah. Yep, so Jim's Mowing has Jim's 45 other brands, Jim's Dog Wash, Jim's Antennas, Jim's. So Australia and New Zealand are very much a franchise positive country. We have um, decent regulations in regards to protections for the franchisee and the franchisor. Um, Canada is not too far away from it. Um, but America just has that, I think that attitude where um, why pay a percent to the man? Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's very slowly changing. I see guys like um, Pat Clark starting to have some sort of franchise model that he's starting to roll out. I don't know the in-depth of his business, but um, I do see that he's starting to franchise. Um, you've obviously got Softwash 
over yep. in the States there. He's got some type of franchise licensing mm-hmm. deal going on. Mm-hmm. So I think the attitude in the States is slightly changing towards that franchise model mm-hmm. as the, um, you know, the Pat Clarks and his businesses and obviously the soft washes start to gain some traction. Um, it will come around. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, it just depends on the environment really. Um, yeah. But we have no plans in the next two or three years at least. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I've heard it said that when you're the franchisor, it takes 20 locations to really start like making money off it. Would you say that's true and legitimate or is that a false number? Um, it would be close. The th- it would be very close to that. With a franchise or business model, for quite a long time, the, the curve of revenue and profitability is very flat. And then all of a sudden you start hitting this ramp and it just goes literally almost vertical, Um, which which is great when you're in my position, Um, but it does take quite a while and a lot of actually just physical effort before it reaches that mark. Um, I've been told by a few bankers that when you come time to sell a franchise or business like the right group, um, they normally sell with a multiple of anywhere from eight to 12. Wow. So eight to 12 EBITDA. Exactly. Where a normal service-based business might be one and a half to three. Yep. Yep. Wow. So you're Um, tripling your output on the, on the future sale potentially, you know, which begs the next question. If you really build this thing up as you're going so stinking quickly with this, you know, it might get to a point where you just keep it for, for the long haul. And cause it's, it's running itself. Franchisees are happy. Um, You know, I guess, would the other play like do you see private equity money coming into our space in the say if we look today 2021 to say 2030 this next decade like would that be a business that a private equity group might be like hey Troy's taking over these countries let's make him an offer yeah um it, it already is to be um to be totally frank um in new zealand we have a company called green acres they're reasonably big um in the lawn mowing game um, and they do domestic cleaning and a little bit of commercial cleaning. And I think they've even got like a, a Green Acres uh, car grooming type franchise. And they have about 600 franchisees in New Zealand. Um, recently, when I say recently, in the last, I think, four or five years, they were majority brought out by a Singaporean venture capitalist company, um, kept New Zealand management and part ownership. But um, that's a great example right there. The gyms group in Australia has been offered to be brought out multiple times. Um, the owner, Jim Penman, is just um, extremely tight and very much a control freak. So he will never sell out. Right. That's just his personality. He wants his hands on it. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely already is. Um, we have... Um, equity money that owns a company in New Zealand that owns all the Wendy's and all the KFCs mm-hmm. and they're just a um, all the Taco Bells yeah, it's a one company venture capitalist and they just own the franchise rights and then they have mm-hmm. all the franchisees below them so it, it, it's definitely there and do you think like no one knows the future, but is that kind of the ultimate plan you think sell out? And I mean, you seem like a very switched on business entrepreneur where you, you'll probably never retire just reading you on this call. But um, do you think there, that is part of your exit plan at some point sell and, and go do something totally different? Or are you still like 
see a bright future with with you putting your skills into this yeah no plans at the moment um but who knows you know money talks and if someone rocks up with the right amount of money everything but your wife is for sale so um yeah yeah you never know um but no plans um i i would i definitely see down the track my exit pl um, plan would be um, more along the lines of someone buying in and maybe taking over day-to-day -day management mm -hmm. and um, my shareholding might go from 100% down to say 50%. Sure. Um, the, other, the other option is taking the business public. Mm -hmm. That's something that has always interested me, mm -hmm. but um, there's a, a lot of work to go there yet. Totally. Do you, um, do you run the day to day right now? Or do you have a like an ops? Like, I'm, I'm not even sure at the level you're at how the company like the franchisor would be structured. Uh, do you have someone yep. that like, the franchisees would call like a coach? Yep, yep, we do. So, um, so across the three brands, when it comes to wash, right, the franchisees still have direct line of communication with me. Mm -hmm. So I still get phone calls or texts or messages if something's going wrong if a pressure wash is broken down or they've got a question about a large commercial quote, they will still ring me direct. Um, with Lawnwright, we have a franchise development manager, Cameron. So um, I have very little to do with the Lawnwright franchisees. So they will call him direct, ask him any questions. He goes out and helps them, helps them out. And it's his core job is to help the franchisee build their business to whatever level they want to build it to. And then my partner, Sarah, she looks after the day-to-day -day operations of CleanRight. And again, the franchisees talk with her, um, deal with her in regards to any issues, sales, marketing. Um, I still look after the overall franchising of the business. So I deal with everybody across all three brands when they're onboarding. And then below us three, we've got a sales manager, an, account, a, an, an accounting, an accountant, in the office and we've got a marketing um, lady that does all the you know, MailChimp's online marketing. And then we've got an outbound sales team of two girls. And a, a call center too. Like if, uh, do you, do you staff that up or are the franchisees on their own for that? Uh, no, we do. So we've got, we've got two outbound sales girls and they're just literally on the phone all day ringing previous customers. Okay. So who have got the house washed last year to rebook it back in. Nice. Um, and then they primary into the, the general inbound phone calls. And then if those two are on outbound phone calls and the phone rings, which happens all the time, it's literally whoever's in the office picks up the phone and takes the, takes the inquiry. Wow. So at the moment, we've got a team of nine. You got what, sorry? A team of nine. Team of nine. Okay, team of nine in the office. Yep. It's amazing yep. output what you guys are getting for it's still a relatively lean team on the back end. It sounds like it sounds like your uh, head is very much in still wash right as you're the direct line to franchisees. Is your avatar for someone buying a wash right? Like if I bought in today, would I probably be on site doing the cleaning or is the goal that the owner can be more of like this operations manager, not always on the tools? Um, both. So originally we want the owner to come on board and be on the tools. So every wash right franchisee starts out as a sole operator. So the owner in the truck and we basically give them a guideline of a time frame that within 12 months, we want them at least 
off the tools. So 50% working on the business instead of in the business. And within 18 months, we want them transitioned out of the business and just working fully on the business, doing the sales, the marketing, the compliance, yep. um, that type of stuff. Um, we do have one or two franchisees that are in very, very small locations, which means that they will always be on the tools in some capacity. Um, but our avatar of our perfect franchisee for Washright is someone who has some business experience or some um, management experience in regards to managing people, managing their own time. Um, that's pretty um, important to us. And we have, we've got some amazing franchisees. Um, we've got one who used to be the, a, the general manager for about 14 years of a company called Burger Fuel, which is a um, burger franchise across New Zealand, Australia, Dubai. I think they're even in California. Um, you know, we've got, you know, sales managers of t telecommunication companies, um, lots of other people that have owned other businesses and have sold those and transitioned into it. Um, lots of ex trades people. So your avatar age wise sounds like you're not looking for like young 19 year old kids. It sounds like kind of your avatar is like 30 to 55 years old kind of thing who has some business chops and wants to like plug into to the right group uh, way of doing things. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of that is filtered out because of the purchase price of a wash right franchise. Um, so a brand new wash right franchise now, if you can find one, is about 80, 80 odd thousand dollars plus tax. Okay. So you might be $90,000 just to start. Mm -hmm. And to have a guy that's 19 that can come up with that amount of cash, um, just not feasible. And then, so the 90 grand and then they, they own the business, the rights to operate the area, and then they pay an ongoing fee based on like top line revenue. Is that correct? Yeah. So what all three brands pay different structures, but Washright pays a percentage of their total revenue as a royalty. Mm -hmm. They pay an, another percentage of their revenue as a marketing fee. Um, and then they pay a fixed monthly fee as an admin fee. Got it. That's uh, I think the best thing a franchisor can do is ensure their franchisees are successful, learning, making money, so they stick around, right? And I think there's such a, I was in a student painting franchise back in the day. There's such a culture play with it as well in student painting. We would all go for a trip to Las Vegas or we would all do like a barbecue or play a soccer game. And there's like always that camaraderie that for me, the franchisee was always such a big piece, you know, and then some healthy competition too, you know, your buddy texts you, Hey, I just booked a $10,000 job. You better, you know, better put on your big boy yep. pants. Like that is such a big part of being in a franchise. Yeah, definitely. A, a lot of it is comes down to money at the end of the day, these guys, they want to earn money. Um, so when they start seeing the other franchisees going one level above them in what they're earning, it does lift the, um, the average revenue of the other franchisees. They all get a little bit jealous. Um, but we, we have a really, really good bunch of people. Um, and with franchising, it's, it's, a, it's hard. Like from my position, it, it, it's a juggle because on one hand, you've got to be the enforcement arm um, they've got to follow the processes, the procedures. They've got to wear the uniform exactly right. You know, the brand is the, the number one thing. Um, but then on the other hand, you, you want to encourage them. You want to see them grow. You want to make, watch them make 
a ton load of money. Yeah. So there's that juggle between you know the enforcement arm and the encouragement arm, and it's definitely a, a fine balance. Yeah, that's a really your yeah your big role is compliance, branding, following the procedures. You're right, but then also having the grace of being open too to like oh franchisee over here figured out a better way to clean this type of patio. Okay, let's put the spotlight on him or her and kind of learn from them. So I think that's a, that's a big piece of it too. Um, we'll, we'll let you go pretty quick. I know you're a busy guy, but I wanted to address the concern of like, if I could guess, I would wager that the franchisee's biggest problem is finding team members to take them off the truck and commission someone to lead a job site and work. Would I be correct in assuming that? Yeah, definitely. Without a doubt, staff is all a big problem. So where do you see this going, Troy, over the next nine years, this this current decade we're in with this problem? Do you think inevitably we'll be raising rates to our customers, paying team members more to work on site? Or, you know, I think we're ways away from AI and robots cleaning the house. So where where do you see us heading in this home service economy with getting skilled labor on site who don't just like tolerate their job but actually really like their job i think um over the next probably five years is going to be a massive divide between what i call the bucket bobs the one-man band or the guys that like to do everything on the cheap and then the more professional companies like the wash right and what's going to divide those is the quality of the staff and to get the quality staff members what we're going to have to do and i don't think it's an option is we're going to have to incentivize them in ways that we've not done previously. As I think the younger generation aren't as loyal as probably they were 30 years ago. So they're sticking with the one company for 10 or 15 years. Doesn't happen anymore. So to incentivize them, what we're looking at doing is at right now, we're literally getting a quote from my, my staff at the franchise or company to see what it would cost me to provide them private health insurance. Um, you know, for a couple of reasons, for me, that's a tax deduction. I, I can deduct that off my tax, but it also gives them a pretty much an, an anchor to my business. So if they ever wanted to leave for $1 an hour or more, which they might be able to get, but they're gonna lose $7,000 a year in insurance that they would have to pay for them, them, themselves. So we do a lot of that type of stuff. We pay a lot of our staff to upskill and educate themselves. So if they want to go to like night school or go and do a course, an online course or whatever, we actually pay for that there. So we don't, we don't pay them to go there. So if they go there in their own time, we'll cover all the cost of the courses. Um, sorry, this so is just for, get, sorry to cut you off. This is for franchisees you're paying or this is for the actual franchisees employees? Um, this is what I do for my staff at the franchise or company. And this is what our franchisees are doing for their staff below them. Okay. So if they might have a technician out there washing houses. So for example, they might, um, we have a, um, an accreditation body in New Zealand and we can get our staff members accredited. So like a, a, um, like a leading hand, like a, like a foreman type person, we can over a couple of years, get them a management qualification. Wow. So I, I think incentivizing staff in those type of ways that, be, that benefits them long-term, I think that's going to be the way. I think offering staff an extra 50 cents here or there an hour 
um, or even a couple of dollars, I don't think the younger generation are that fixated on money at the moment. Um, yeah. So you see more of this, uh, this these other uh, ways to build value into someone's position, the healthcare, you said, you know, the, the ascension plan for continued learning uh, as well. Um, do, do any of your, your franchisees maybe even encourage their employees that maybe one day you could own a franchise as well? Is there ever those, those talks going on or, or you know, what yeah, you see there? Yeah, definitely. We actually do have some franchisees who started out as employees for other franchisees. Um, and then what we do, if, if they're in that position, there's ways that we can help them become a franchisee. So we can do some self-financing, interest-free financing. Um, you know, we can provide them a cheaper franchise and then instead of getting a brand new truck with all brand new equipment, we can sell them a, a decent truck, but still used with some used equipment and get them in at a much cheaper level. Mm -hmm. um, because they've shown to us that they're obviously a good quality person. Um, we believe that they can make money and make money for us long-term. So yeah, so that does happen quite a lot. Yeah, I just think back to my days as a franchisee. One one summer, my second year, I had four painters and my regional manager, who I'm good friends with still today, came in and by the end of that season, he hired three of them to go run a franchise for the next season. So, you know, I got a little recruiting bonus, which was nice. But ultimately, like, I think you want to just see people in life, uh, you know, always ascending to the next level so that each year is always a little bit different. And I think you know, even a, one of my guys, I'm helping him in the future start his own pressure washing business, you know, we'll, we'll take a few days back each year so he can go out on his own. And I think, you know, it gives me a lot of joy seeing people move up to the next level, because I think that's, uh, I don't know that you want to keep someone cleaning houses for 10, 15 years, you know, I think do it for a few years, but look to look at what the next step is. Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I, and I, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. That's probably the best part about owning a franchise-based company is that we see people progress in life. We see them work hard, they get some support, and they start actually achieving their goals. Mm -hmm. So we're very big. And one of the things we do when we onboard a new franchisee or even a new staff member is we find out what their aspirations are, what their goals are. Um, and it doesn't matter what it is. It could be that they want to travel or they want to buy a house or they, that they want to save for their, you know, their kids' um, you know, university fees. So we actually keep a very detailed database on every franchisee and every one of our staff members about who they are, what they are, and where they want to go in life. And as a business owner, we take it as our responsibility to help them to achieve their goals. And it could be one staff member wanted to travel wanted to go to Southeast Asia. They've always wanted to go there. They've never been able to afford it because they have kids and a mortgage. Um, so obviously one year we overheard a conversation that they were $2,000 short on reaching their target. So two weeks later, they got a bonus. So they got $2,000, they got their two weeks off and off they went. So helping people reach those small goals in life is really, really important to us. Because um, people leave, we have we have some staff members leave, and that they, they come back. Um, we have some staff that belong to franchisees. Um, quite often, they'll leave because their wife may have got another job in another city, and it's really good to see them making a phone call to the franchisee in that city, 
and ringing them up to see if they can go work for them. Still within the wash ride or the clean ride, but they just go from franchisee to franchisee. Oh man, those are the best phone calls or texts to get. You know, I've had past students return and, hey, do you have work this season? I'm like, we got more than enough work, you know, come, come on board. So that there is strength in the whole franchise system is, is what you're getting at, which is, which is, you know, fantastic to see. Do you have any last like parting thoughts? How are you doing this like so quickly? You know, I'm sure the listeners listening, you started in 2015, you're five, six years into this. Most people are even struggling to, to staff up one or two crews and you've got 85 plus two other, like what's really driving this here? Is it just your internal drive to succeed to achieve this bigger vision or what what is there any like little secret play here at, at that we should be aware of um the, the thing is there is no secret um it's not what we do is not rocket science we you know you and i don't work for tesla we're not designing electric cars um it just comes down to you need to treat your customers right that's the main thing the customers pay everybody they pay the franchisee the worker me they provide for my family, my kids. So I, I, I treat the customer with the respect that they deserve. That's key. Um, and then the next thing is you need to be prepared to work. Um, nothing in life is given to you or it shouldn't be given to you. Um, so for me, I always had the attitude that I may not be the, the best house washer in New Zealand, but I can guarantee that I outwork every house washing company in New Zealand. So for me, it's just basically treating my customers right and then just basically doing the hard work. And then when the money comes in, which it eventually will, that's the thing, you know, if you trust yourself and you back yourself, the money will come. But when the money does come, it's what you do with it, which is the most important thing. Um, for us, cash is king. We don't have any credit cards. We don't have any overdrafts. We don't have any debt. Um, if we need a new truck, we go and pay cash. Um, so sitting on that base level of cash as a business has allowed us to do what we want and when we want. So for us, when COVID happened, we had three new staff members start within two days of our lockdown being announced. They were all crying in the office thinking that they're going to get let go. And it was comforting to be able to walk in there and go, Hey, just don't stress. You know, you know I've just paid you early. You know, your pay has gone into your account three days early, go home, Go do your grocery shopping, do what you need to do and go be with your family and wow. come back to work when you can. That's fantastic, man. I did not know this is a whole nother convo, but you're doing this thing like debt free. I want to just confirm that the listeners hear that this many 100%. crews. So can you debunk that myth then? Cause I'm a, I'm, I'm nowhere near the scale you're at, but I'm a huge fan of Dave Ramsey in, in the States, you know, do, do debt free. Some people might say, Oh, Dave's talking about personal debt, but not business. You know, you can take a loan and be leveraged to your eyeballs. But can you talk to the listener who actually thinks they do need debt to grow this thing? And because you're obviously proving it wrong. Yeah, no, you definitely don't. Like to start with, when I first started, I didn't have you know all the flash equipment. Um, all my motors were Chinese copies. All my pumps were Chinese, and then we. Well, I just reinvested every cent back into the business and slowly, slowly upgraded my equipment. Now, you know, we only buy the best of the best. You know, we only buy Honda engines. You know, we only buy, you know, Comet pumps, sometimes general pumps. Um, we, all our fittings are stainless steel. 
Um, so just keep rolling the money back into the business. And it comes down to your personal, um, your personal habits. Um, I'm a firm believer in life that the biggest mistake you can make in life is ending up with the wrong partner. And I've been blessed to end up with the right partner. Um, my partner, you know, we do very well now, but she didn't want to burn money and go buy flash cars and flash holidays in the beginning. She was more than happy to live on $50 a week. Um, so just being responsible with your money and always having that end goal in sight, um, having that vision board always somewhere where you can see it. So you know where you're going and how you're going to get there. So good, Troy. You know, you're getting that delayed gratification here, right? The the trips to uh, the Maldives and the, the Lamborghini rides, all that sounds like that comes maybe later if you want it, right? You, it, it's first build your business properly and then go and, you know, have a little bit of fun, sure, but don't go the other way around, right? We've got competitors here who go get the, the fanciest vehicles and this and that and you know, leverage it all, vehicle payments. It's just, it's a scary way to build a business. So I'm, I'm just so thrilled to hear you, you preach that message that you can do this debt free. It's a, it's amazing to see. Yeah, definitely. And you know, things always go wrong. You know, like um, our business is totally debt free, but for the last four years, I've been pre-approved for a $700,000 overdraft. I've never actioned it. I've never drawn on it, but I've been pre-approved for it. And I've done that very much on purpose in case an opportunity does arrive and I do need it. I can action it and pull the trigger instantly. Um, so, you know, I've always had it in mind that maybe another franchise or company comes up for sale, which is in synergy to my own. And if I wanted to buy it, I've got that capital available, but you know, it has to be an amazing opportunity. <clears throat> so for me, having that warm feeling, having a shitload of cash in the bank makes me sleep at night. It allows me to rest easy and my staff to know that, you know, their job's secure. It doesn't matter if we have a quiet month or even a quiet six months. Um, their jobs are there. Yeah, man. Ca cash is king. You said it right. You know, the, so the listeners know you're not using that overdraft to finance payroll or other things of the business. This is for an investing holdings account where you could go and gobble up the next guy down the street if you saw an opportunity. So um, re really good point on that. Um, well, Troy, hey, I wanted to um, thank you so much for coming on the show here. Your, uh, your success is amazing to see. You're, you're so humble about it, which I love too. And uh, it, it's going to be exciting to see where you head in the future. I'm going to end off and just give you the floor for a minute. Um, kind of tell if someone's listening to you, what is the best way to maybe reach out to you and, and have a conversation, maybe even about opening up a franchise uh, under your brand? If I know they're selling quickly, but uh, what would be the best way to get on your radar and connect with you? Uh, probably the best way is just on Facebook. So just search Troy Hillard, look for the guy with the big head with no hair. Um, pretty easy to find or LinkedIn. Um, I'm pretty much on those two platforms quite a lot. Um, and, and we're always looking for great people. Um, you don't need to have a lot of money behind you. You just need to have a lot of, um, I guess, just personality and decorum about you. And um, we're always looking for great people to join our company. Um, and we're always growing. So 
if you're looking to join a great company, you know, we're always happy to talk. Yeah, that's fantastic. And is there any last piece of advice, Troy, you'd give someone early on in their entrepreneurial journey in this home service space, franchised or, or not? What, what last piece of advice could you serve up for the, the listener here? Uh, probably the big one is just back yourself. You know, no one can soar in life unless they jump. So climb the cliff, jump off and just back yourself. That's the main thing. I love it. We'll end right there. Well, thank you, uh, Troy, so much for your time and uh, all the wisdom you've shared. Uh, we'll have to uh, collect ourselves and do this again soon because it, uh, it was a lot of fun. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the episode today. If you want to get even more value from David, then book your free coaching call at homeservicebusinesscoach.com.